Welcome to our podcast. We are excited to have you along for this journey. My name is Ann Madison, and I'm the Executive Director of Peace Restored. I'll be your host as we discuss mental health and faith in our podcast, Seeking Haley, Finding Hope, which is a production of Peace Restored, a 501c3 nonprofit located in Indiana and serving women everywhere. We are so glad that you are listening again again this week as we dive deeper into the topic of boundaries. Um, this week, I have joined in, joining in the studio with me is um, Becca Gilmore. She's on staff with us. She serves as our class facilitator. She's also a student at Liberty University pursuing her master's in counseling. And so we're excited to have her here to help us expand on the topic of boundaries. So welcome back into the studio, Becca. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, and I just want to encourage our audience as they're listening in, if you have not heard our previous podcast, especially on the topic of boundaries, since that's what we're doing today, I encourage you to go back and listen to those um, podcasts. We'll link those. You can go to any of the podcatchers that you're listening to this through and go, go back into the history and find those. Um, but we've also touched on other topics as well, such as what is a safe person, and we'll be expanding on other topics um, as we continue our podcast series. But also, if you're listening to this and you're like, who is Peace Restored? What are they about? What do they do? You might be you might be interested to go back and listen to um, some of our previous uh, earlier podcasts when we first started this series. And so the first several podcasts, when you look at our history, are about who we are as an organization, how we got started, and you'll get to meet some of our staff as well. So again, I just encourage you to go back and listen to those previous um, podcasts because there's so much good content in there. So, um, as I said, today we're going to be talking about expanding more on the topic of boundaries. So let's go ahead and jump into that topic. Before we really dive deep into the next part of boundaries, let's do a little bit of a recap. Becca, would you mind kind of recapping mm-hmm. what we what we talked about in the first yeah. several episodes? So in the part one episodes of boundaries, we went over defining what it what is a boundary, uh, what that looks like. Um, we discussed about what is within your boundaries trying to define that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at symptoms um, from the lack of having boundaries to be able to recognize what that looks like. Yeah. And then we also spoke about um, our warning signs and mm. being able to recognize those warning signs when they happen for us. Yeah. And then we talked about taking ownership and responsibility. So mm. what's mine versus yeah. what's yours. That can um, be hard. It can, yes. And mm-hmm. then also there's 10 laws of boundaries. Yeah. And there's a lot of information there. So definitely want to, if you haven't um, watched those episodes, there's definitely some good information there yeah. to look back at. Yeah, those are, there's just listening to you read through that list. It's like, wow, that's a lot of, lot of content. It's a lot. Um, and again, if you, ha- if you um, don't have the boundaries book, that's a really good resource as well, which we can link that into our show notes as well, um, the Boundaries book. And so you can go and just click a link and go and purchase that and because it's a, it's really good. They have a, an actually a, what I call a textbook or a main book. Mm-hmm. And then there's a workbook too, yeah. which has um, some practical things for you to work through answering questions so you can dive deeper. Because one of the things I always like to think about is just reading content to gain more knowledge, that's good. But it's not where we receive our real value. It's where we do that practical application where we apply it and practice it. And so reading the book, listening to the podcast, we encourage you as you're doing those things to actually take time, pause the video, pause the video or the or the podcatcher, however you're listening to us, and just say, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna apply these steps. How do I make this personal to me? So yeah. 
I know the workbook, it helps you write out your feelings and thoughts. It, help, it can help you process through mm-hmm. what you're reading. And so. For sure. Yeah. It, they, there's a lot of good questions in the workbook for yeah. sure. Yeah. So today we're going to pivot and talk a little bit um, more specifically on some areas, some, some of the aspects of boundaries. So the first thing we're going to tap into is we're talking about boundaries within the family dynamic, mm-hmm. right? And so when we think about our family, I think sometimes that's an area where boundaries can get really sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have those close relationships and mm-hmm. usually the people closest to you, you know, they it's a common phrase to hear that they're the ones that can also hurt you. Yes. Um, we usually love the ones or hurt those around us, which are the ones we love the most. We actually hurt them the most often too. Yeah. Whether it's unintentional, intentional, yeah. you can still get yeah. hurt. I always say a lot of times it's because we're the most comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. And so we let our guard down. Yeah. And sometimes we're not thinking through things. Um, but, um, and sometimes it's just because we're more enmeshed with the other people. So there's yeah. a lot of reasons why. It's a lot of time you spend mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. A lot of depending on them as a child and mm-hmm. then growing up older. You know, still depending on them. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. So there's um, some signs that we might have when there's lack lack of boundaries in those in those family dynamics. So what are some of those um, lack of boundaries or signs or symptoms we might see when we think about boundaries in families? Um, I would say just in having an inability to separate yourself from your family. Um, we were kind of talking about being enmeshed. Mm-hmm. And so um, never emotionally leaving home mm. um, and continuing that dependence on your family as an adult, Yeah, um, which you can see the symptoms of that um, if you're maybe unable to commit to a relationship fully um, emotionally in your adult years because you are still kind of living at home emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point because you could leave the house physically, mm-hmm. but you could still be entangled is another yeah. way to kind of think of that in that emotional dynamic with the family mm-hmm. and you just haven't had that separateness yet and you have that sense of safety at home mm-hmm. which can maybe allow you to not i don't know risk emotionally jumping in and committing to somebody fully yeah and i think we can think about that on both sides right because you're kind of talking about it from the adult child perspective yeah but if we think about that from the parent perspective Mm -hmm. they could also have a hard time holding that boundary line too because sometimes it's hard to let go yeah you want to keep your child home yeah for as long as you can and i think we talked about this in another episode where it feels like you're caring for or um uh protecting that child by doing all the things for them yeah it's a it can be a natural response you want to save your child Mm -hmm. from harm you want to keep them from harm keep them safe, mm-hmm. but sometimes that takes away the opportunity for them to grow. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to allow them that space um, to grow, to develop, because if we're always doing everything for them, um, we don't learn, and that's just the nature of learning. And so it's a both and. It's not just one side of the fence. It's not just the adult child or just the parent. We both have to practice those good and safe, healthy boundaries. And so, yeah, so it's really good. So what are some other things we can see that might be some signs? Um, Another one is when your family of origin 
um, I'll say, is more important than new relationships, mm. not just romantically, but mm-hmm. um, just any relationships um, come second to your family. Yeah. For example, if you're if you're married, your husband might come second or receive the emotional leftovers because mm. you're giving it all to your family instead. Yeah. So your family of origin, you're giving mm-hmm. everything yeah. to. So yeah, because that can be really confusing when you start a new family. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, where do I put my attention or my affection? It's not saying that we don't still love our family of origin, we still care for them. But that's, you know, that is very scriptural, you know, because this is that mental health and faith component. How do those two intersect, right? Yeah. And when we look at that from a scriptural standpoint, it tells us that we're supposed to leave our families, you know, and and connect or bond with that person that we marry. Yeah. And so it's very, it's the right thing to do, but it's very difficult to do. And so when we think about that, it, it brings up a level of challenge for uh, young adults and even parents, because I think it's, again, it goes both sides, like, I want you to still be a part, because it can feel, because I think it can feel like um, when the adult child becomes married, and um, they start to bond with their partner, their spouse, um, <clears throat> they can then, it can feel to the parent um, like they're being abandoned or left behind or not loved. And that's yeah. m- more than likely not truth. Yeah. But that feeling can get really hard, can get really heavy. And so it causes you to want to do things to pull yeah. them back in. And the same can be true on the other side when they're pulling away, the adult child's pulling away. A lot of emotions come up. I'm not, I'm not loving my parents well. I'm that feeling of guilt. I, guilt. I'm separating from. I'm not caring for them. Yeah. So there can be a lot of mixed emotions. I can see how that could be really hard because you grow up with your family and you have a feeling like a sense of you don't want to abandon them, mm-hmm. um, but you're supposed to start to put your husband first. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I can see how it could be hard on both sides. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can be challenging for sure. So when we think about um, relationships in a family and that dynamic in the family and boundaries, sometimes conflict can really cause some challenges in that area. Can you think of ways or things that might be happening in the dynamic from a boundaries perspective mm-hmm. um, Yeah, with conflict? So that brings to mind, um, as I was reading the book a little bit more on this too um there's a term called triangulation Mm -hmm. um, and i didn't know what that meant um but a good example of it is in a family dynamic when there's a conflict between two members of the family and Mm -hmm. each person will bring a third person into the conflict Mm -hmm. and they'll go and like i guess it's like talking bad about the other family member to somebody else and not really addressing the conflict with the person you have the conflict with. Mm -hmm. And then that can really just cause an escalation of the issue and separate you further Mm -hmm. in that relationship from that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can really be cause a lot of challenge in that relationship when you think about that triangulation. When, so we talked about tri- triangulation and how that really can affect that dynamic in the relationship. But then there's that other, another side of that is the codependency side of in a relationship. Sometimes we can become very codependent in a relationship. Would you like to explain what codependency means? Um, I would say when 
you are always sort of depending on the other person and taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, always saving them from their own responsibilities, carrying their knapsacks for them, if you mm-hmm. will, um, which doesn't force them to take responsibility for anything. Right. And if somebody's going to continually take the responsibility for yourself, you're going to let them, mm-hmm. and the problem will never get fixed. Yeah. Yeah, I always like to think of a codependent as a person who needs to be needed. Yeah. Like, I need you to need me to need to take care of you. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to think about because there's always another side of it. Mm-hmm. You need to be needed, but then you resent them for needing you mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. So right. it's hard. And that's because that boundary has been pushed against. Like, I have yeah. this boundary. Right. And I've, I have it in my head. I know I don't want to go past this point, mm-hmm. but I haven't verbalized it. And I also feel this push pull yeah. of I need to be I want to be needed and I need to be needed. And so then I go that codependency and entangle entangles everything together yeah. and it confuses that relationship. Yeah, And you can become angry at yourself mm-hmm. oh, for, for sure. not setting that boundary, but then still wanting to feel needed. Mm-hmm. And you might confuse that for a healthy relationship yeah because you yeah. desire that feeling of need or feeling needed yeah when well, i'm also thinking about what if that was the dynamic you were brought up in yeah you know what if your family of origin was um they dealt with codependency that was how they how you learned that was the interpersonal relationship in your family was a codependent nature so if you have that as a child, it's really difficult as an adult to know differently. Yeah, and to, as an adult, start to set those boundaries mm-hmm. with your parents or family of origin, it would be 10 times more difficult mm-hmm. because you've grown up in that and you might mistake that for a safe relationship. Yeah. And then you become older and you realize mm-hmm. it really wasn't healthy. Yeah. And then you have to find some sort of independent separateness without that feeling of guilt. Mm-hmm. And then that goes back to to the other side of it. The parents or the other family members might feel those feelings of hurt or abandonment when you do start to set those boundaries. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so as we're kind of talking about all these parts, different parts of boundaries. The thing that's popping up in my mind right now is kind of in a something called attachment theory. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different. Um, so when we are young. We have different ways that we learn to attach or relate is another way to think of that with others. And so those different attachment um, models, if you want to call them that, or theories, um, can really affect our relationships. And they are formed out of those early years. And so if you're kind of listening to us and going, man, this is really intriguing to me, you might pick up a book on, um, on attachment theory. There's a lot of them out there. How We Love is a really good book, and um, we'll link it in the show notes for everybody to be able to get a copy of if that's something they like. Um, it's a book that I've used, that we use here at Peace Restored, and it's um, it's a really good resource to kind of understand attachment attachment theory um, because that kind of really goes hand-in-hand hand with boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next part that we're going to kind of uh, move into is why do we do the things that we do? Because there's a lot of... You know, sometimes we do things like, well, why did I do that? Yeah. Because uh, we kind of already indicated that sometimes we just do things because it's the way we've been raised. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot to that. So let's kind of go into the why, because I think that really helps us understand 
yeah. um, a little bit more of what's behind the boundary. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the first one, we kind of meant a touch on it a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, pretty much the boundary problems you might be having currently are pretty much old boundary problems mm-hmm. that you were taught as a child Yeah, that just carried over into your adult life. Yeah. So those old problems as a child that kind of carry over into the into our adult life. So those are the things we learned, kind of the learned behavior, if you will. Yeah. And so we take that off and move them into our adult life. And we're like, well, this feels normal. Why is it not acceptable? Why is it not right? Um, so some of the things we might do is we act out of that space of memory, right? So this is what I remember. These are those patterns, right? So this is just we do what we do because this is what we've always done. Um. Yeah, another one is not um, mm-hmm. coming out from underneath that parental authority. Mm. Um, yeah. And you kind of need to, as an adult, shift your thinking and place yourself under God's authority. Mm-hmm. And that can help kind of shift your thinking, I think, and help um, give you that strength mm-hmm. and guidance to set those proper boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, because we, because knowing where our ultimate authority comes from, yeah, where, um, where, our rules and our order are based out of is important. Because yeah. if our ultimate authority is always our parents, um, I mean, I'm a parent myself, and so I feel, you know, it's it's safe for me to say that we as parents are going to fail because we're, we're humans. We aren't perfect. And because we aren't perfect, if we set ourselves up as a parent to be the ultimate perfect authority, and that's what the markers that are our children, even our adult children, are using. Then they're going to miss the mark of what is right and what is good, because I know I've done things wrong, and I know other people, other parents have done things incorrectly as well. And so we have to be careful um, to make sure we're pushing our children to what is the ultimate authority. Yeah, to shift that thinking. At, mm-hmm. at some point, they need to leave the house, you know, at some point, yeah. take their own responsibility for things. Absolutely. But I think it would be an awesome thing for parents to shift their thinking too. at some point to push them, you know, look towards the authority of God and see yes. what he's telling you to do. Yeah. At some point, sort of encourage them to stop fully listening to right. just, just to only what parents are saying. But well, because if we have that authority of God that we're looking through and we're, 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 filtering things through truth yeah that when our parent our adult as an adult child when our parents come to us and say something we're going to filter whatever they say through that truth mm-hmm. and so it doesn't mean we're not going to listen to them it means we're now we're going to filter yeah their their words through what is true and we're going to go okay now i know what i need to do and what i don't need to do yeah because now we have a filter and that helps us set those boundaries, set those limits, know where we are, know who we are and who yeah. we are not. So those are all really important parts of that process. So we've been discussing in our boundaries discussion today uh, some of the signs and the symptoms within the family dynamic and how they can affect us when we have the lack of boundaries or maybe unhealthy boundaries. But our listeners might be going, well, that's great. I now know that I have some lack of boundaries, but what do I do with that? How do I come to resolution of yeah. those boundaries? Yeah, so there's a few steps t- that you can take, mm-hmm. um, which I think it would be good to have us list them for them and attach it at the end. But yeah, um, the first one is just to identify the symptom. Um, 
to ask yourself, where have you lost control of your property, for mm -hmm. per se? Um, the next one would be to identify the conflict. Um, so if you look back at the laws of boundaries and figure out which ones are you personally violating, mm -hmm. um, see yourself as the problem, try thinking about it that way and what mm -hmm. you can change. Yeah, that's good. Um, to be able to find those boundary violations. Yeah. Like where have I had? Yeah. Because sometimes we want to always say in the boundaries, like, well, look what they did. But sometimes we have to look and see what we're doing because sometimes it's something we have to adjust in ourselves. Yeah, and that just reminds me of what we just talked about, the example of codependency. So the mm -hmm. person not setting that boundary out of wanting to feel needed, but mm -hmm. then they didn't set that boundary for themselves mm -hmm. for a healthier relationship. Yeah, that's good. That's just an example. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and then the next one would be identify the need that drives the conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so that, like I just said, that feeling that, for the codependent person that might f want that um, feeling to be needed. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example of that need to drive the conflict. Yeah. Wanting to feel loved or accepted in your family. Mm. Um, yeah, because our emotions can really drive us in our boundaries. Because, you know, like you're saying, if, we're, if we have that deep desire to be wanted or needed, sometimes we're willing to cross over our own boundary so we can feel that emotional connection that we're seeking. Yeah. And it's really a false ideology that when we cross over the boundary, it's going to fix that. Because mm -hmm. typically that will complicate it, yeah. not fix it. I think it's good, too, to think about, um, we talked a little bit about shifting our thinking and the authority of God rather than mm -hmm. the authority of your family anymore. Um and just thinking too that that feeling you're looking for, a feeling needed and accepted. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you're going to find that um, through God, and so yes, um, accepting that can maybe help find some strength and freedom to set those boundaries as well. Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. Making sure we take and I always like to think about how we're filtering everything through truth. Yeah, because. We believe here that God is the ultimate truth, right? And so if we're filtering everything through his word, then because um, if you don't know what truth is and we're letting all the things around us define truth, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to know where you stand. Yeah. And then how do I set those boundaries? Yeah. That's good. And so I, I think also one of the things we can think about too when we're thinking about resolution of boundaries is practicing them. Mm-hmm. Man, if we don't practice boundaries. Yeah. And you also need to be able to practice with safe people. Mm -hmm. And so that's an example of taking in the good and mm -hmm. keeping out the bad is finding those people that you can practice with. Yeah. Because, again, practice is that, that application of what we're talking about. Yeah. If we just listen and we're like, oh, these are really good things, but we don't actually put them into action. Because yeah. action is how we change our behavior. Actually, one of the things that... I'm thinking about is as we change our behavior, it actually changes the wiring of our brain. It does. And so that's pretty powerful if you think about that. Like the more you do that action, there's literal synapses changing within your brain. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty amazing. It's cool to think about, yeah. Yeah. So some people get really frustrated when they're changing behavior. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of a behavior modification conversation here for a second. <laughs> is that it can be frustrating because you do that and they'll be like, oh, nothing changed. Yeah. 
like, well, it's going to take time because, I mean, if you think about growing something, mm-hmm. it's going to take a little while before that synapse fully connects and fully grows to something new because what happens in our brain is we almost always go back to our default. Yeah. And so when we're trying to do a new new action, a new way of thinking, a new way of responding, it's going to take a while because yeah. you're having to retrain your brain, re- you're growing new synapses so the old one can be replaced with something new. Yeah, that if you're a visual thinker, that makes me think of like planting a seed, watering it, mm-hmm. and waiting for that plant to grow. It's not just going to be a full flower. Right. You got to keep watering it you and do. replacing the bad thoughts or the bad yes. boundaries with good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to. It's very intentional yeah. over and over and over again. So I just encourage people. So it's like, man, I've tried this. I've tried this. Just stay intentional. Stay yeah. stay doing it. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And the more you practice, just like anything mm-hmm. else, the more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah. Because you're not going to do it right the first time or do it well the first time. You might do it the first time and it might actually make you angry, you know, because you didn't, you didn't, you weren't able, they didn't get the response you wanted or whatever, or you might just get frustrated or Mm -hmm. have another emotion. There could be a whole litany of emotions that come up, but just stay with it. Yeah. We wouldn't talk about boundaries so much if we didn't know how well they worked. I would actually say it's smart to expect that it'll bring up some emotions. Be ready Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yes. That's really good to be thinking about setting that expectation, like there's going to be some things that come up for both you and the person Mm -hmm. you're practicing implementing boundaries with. You can be better prepared for their Mm -hmm. reaction that way. Yeah, for sure. And so we also have to learn um, how to say no to the bad. So that's kind of talking about avoiding. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that saying no? Um, I would say so the people in your life that are negatively influencing you or controlling you or if you're in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. within the family, um, being able to recognize that and say no to those people to kind of recognize when you need to take yourself out of situations Mm -hmm. um, and just just stay strong with that boundary being set. Yeah, that's really good. So, yeah, so it can be hard. It's That kind of goes back to that intentionality of being – you know, this is where I, this is my no. We got to stay strong. Because yeah. I think sometimes we do correlate the word no with negative. Yeah. But it's not. It's a word. It's not negative. It's not positive necessarily either. It's just a word. Neutral. It means this is, yeah, it's neutral. This is not acceptable. Yeah. If we thought, and I guess another thing, uh, an example that pops into my mind is like if if you were watching a baby and that baby was getting ready to put their finger into a light socket. What word would you say to them? No. Yeah. It's not because you're trying to be, it's not, it's not a bad word in that instance. No. Yeah, especially, right? It's, it's for their safety. You're yeah. trying to teach them that there's a limit to what they can and can't do. Because if you were like, well, I can't say no because it's bad. Yeah. Then the result of not saying that actually is even worse. Even har- more harmful, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the case a lot of times in other scenarios yeah. as well. I was also thinking, too, when you say no to somebody, to realize, like, you might love that person and want to mm-hmm. recon- reconcile with them later on. Yeah. And you value that relationship, but to just make sure that, like, change is happening before yes. you let them back in. Oh, 100%, yeah. Because yeah. that can be really tempting, right? Especially if you've come from a dynamic that's unsafe. Yeah. Um, 
or they've had some abusive tendencies, or maybe they've had um, maybe they maybe they've had an affair, or they've had an addiction of some type. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these different things, we want to say, oh, they're showing good. They're, yeah. they're, they've said that they are going to change, and we want to let them back in. But we have to be careful not to just jump back in yeah. really quick. And so if that's your dynamic, I would say make sure you find somebody um, that is qualified to help you walk through that, to help you set up a safety a safety net system to where you know how to say yes or when to say yes and when to say no, how to set up a safe system of when you could ba- get back with that person because you want to do that in a safe dynamic, a way that's going to um, make that relationship, if it's, if it's moving towards a healthy dynamic, make that something where you can have reconciliation as yeah. opposed to um, – just jumping back in and repeating your cycle. Exactly. Um, yeah. So what are some other things that you think about from that resolution standpoint that we can think about? Um, another big one is forgiving the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, real, sometimes, too, it's unintentional harm. Sometimes it's very mm-hmm. intentional. But making that choice to forgive the aggressor is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um when you refuse to forgive someone, you're actually keeping yourself tied to that person mm. um, negatively. Um, you have to realize, too, that you're the one still wanting something from them that they're not willing to give you. Yeah. And so I feel like that is keeping you in a, in a bondage sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's only harming yourself more so. Yeah, for sure. I, I think about the word forgiveness. Yeah. A lot of times when we're thinking about that word... Um, People feel, I, I've heard this many times. It's like, well, if I forgive them, mm-hmm. they're getting away with it. Yeah. What would be your response to that? I'm not sure that um, they really would, the people on the other side of that wouldn't even be giving it a second thought. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah. it's really just the person not, not wanting to forgive that's carrying the weight and the hurt mm. of it. Yeah, because for. Because a lot of times when you forgive somebody, the person you're forgiving may not even know yeah. that you're forgiving them. I can I mean, think of so many times that I've been hurt by somebody and they mm. didn't even know they hurt me. Yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. they, or maybe they're not, yeah, they don't get to, they don't, they don't maybe they don't know. get the right to know too. Yeah. They, or maybe, you know, there's so many reasons. So it doesn't mean we get to... Um, sometimes when we think about forgiveness, we're thinking we're releasing them, mm-hmm. but what we're doing is we're freeing ourselves. Yeah, because there's a burden that comes with holding on to unforgiveness, mm-hmm. um, because it's really just a weight that says, yeah. I, "I, I, feel the weight of that, whatever that thing is." So by forgiving them, we're saying, "You know what? I'm no longer going to hold you accountable. I'm no longer going to hold yeah. a kind of a cost that I'm going to require from you anymore." Yeah. And that can be difficult. Depending on what the wounding is, yeah. I mean, if they stepped in your toe, you probably can forgive them a little bit easier yeah. than if they've done something malicious. Well, maybe they can maliciously step on your toe, but um, you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> if they did something malicious in nature, it can be really hard. Or, like you said, sometimes they did it and they didn't know, mm-hmm. and that can be hard too because you're like that can cause a little confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of how do I wrestle with that? They didn't even know they hurt me, but man, it hurt so bad. And then in those situations, if you feel like it's a safe enough uh, environment or relationship mm-hmm. that you can bring it to them, yeah, and then see by how they respond if mm-hmm. if that's a 
good relationship worth continuing watering and yeah. working towards. For sure. That's good. So as we as we think about the forgiveness, another thing we can think about is we can respond but not uh, but not um, react. Yeah. So what does that mean? Because some people might, oh, what do you mean I can respond but not react? That that might feel a little, I don't know, stifling. Sometimes it can feel like self-betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that when you react to somebody, it just shows that they're in control of you mm-hmm. and you lose control over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you're referring to like an example where you might have like a negative reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So you might, so we don't have to have the, everything we think doesn't have to come out of us. Correct. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm hearing in that. It's like, just because you think it or feel it, we might Mm -hmm. need to take a pause. Yeah. So that might be the time it's like, I'm feeling this really strong emotion Mm -hmm. and I kind of want to react this way. Maybe I just need to put a pause and I need to go, okay, before I just Mm -hmm. react. Most of the time when you have such a strong emotional reaction like that, it comes out aggressively mm-hmm. and which can escalate the situation more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's not helpful when you're trying to find a peaceful conflict resolution. Yeah. yeah. Definitely is not helpful, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you start screaming at somebody, they're probably not gonna be like, Oh <laughs> I hear you. They're gonna you know, they're gonna be triggered and they're gonna start responding strongly yeah. as well. And they're gonna have hurt feelings and yeah. yeah. The cycle continues. It's yeah. like I always say then you're on the merry go round and round <laughs> and round you go. So so then that brings us kind of to the last point that we want to cover in this in this section of resolution. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um so the last one would be to learn to love in freedom and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what setting those boundaries can help you do. Mm-hmm. Um and not living in a place of guilt. And so when you practice this purposeful giving, it will increase that freedom, that sense of freedom. Um, And then when you freely are choosing to do good for somebody, you're actually enhancing your boundaries. Yeah, that's good. So choosing to do good for someone. So making that conscious effort to choose to do something intentionally good. Mm -hmm. That's... That can be powerful, right? Sometimes we don't always... Because that can be a... Choosing to do good, and I, I love that you put in there of not from a guilt perspective, but because you want to, mm-hmm. that can be really powerful in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Genuinely give something good to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what like walking in freedoms in relation to boundaries looks yeah. like. Yeah, because not doing something because you feel compelled mm-hmm. or because you have to or because you feel like somebody requires it of you man, this is just where I am. I just want to do this. And that's where that overflow of love comes from. Yeah, You know, when we're in a healthy boundary dynamic, those things just are an outflow of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So the more and more we keep learning about boundaries and the more we keep doing this deep dive into this, I'm hoping as our audience is listening, they're able to like start to begin to think about where they are in this boundary, where they're at in the boundaries world, if you will, mm-hmm. um, because everybody's in a different place. Not yeah. everybody has um, the same story or the same experiences. So boundaries going to affect everybody differently. And you might have came from a place, if you're listening to this, that's been like, man, my parents were awesome at boundaries and they taught us as well. If that is you and you're listening to this, that is amazing because that is not most 
stories of people, yeah. at least that I interact with. Um, but um, if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, I've never had a good boundary. I don't even know how to begin. Yeah. Just start to do one thing. It doesn't have to be all of this because we've listed a lot today and it could feel really overwhelming if you don't know how to set a healthy boundary. So I'd say just take it one piece at a time. Maybe go back and listen. If you haven't, um, if you have been listening, or even if you haven't and you're feeling overwhelmed at this point, go back to our first one we did on boundaries, our first podcast, and just listen to that one and take it one step at a time. And it's okay if it's slow. It doesn't have to be overnight. It doesn't have to be quick. Yeah. And start small. Yeah, start small. It, and again, it's it is okay if this takes time. Mm-hmm. Think about how long it took you to get where you're at today. Yeah. It's going to take time to move forward. So um, with that, we're going to end for today's podcast. And I just want to thank everybody for listening in today. Um, It's been a really good conversation with Becca on boundaries. Um, We are going to continue this conversation. So again, if you want to continue to learn more, jump in and listen to some of our other podcasts. There'll be more after this one as well. This isn't our last conversation on boundaries. So in the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about us, make sure to go to our website, peacerestore.net. And don't forget to check out our show notes where you'll be able to find links, additional content, and a few video links. Join us on our next podcast where we will continue to discuss mental health and faith. So come back next time for transformation, growth, and power. This is Peace Restored.